strange drama by which to enter Thanksgiving week. But it gives us an invitation. It gives us an invitation to do some soul searching on the subject of giving thanks to God. I, I wanted to do something beyond what we normally expect at Thanksgiving, namely to make a list of our blessings. Next week, we will count our blessings, but I want us to ask a deeper question. And that is, why do I love God? Do I love him for who he is? Or am I simply in love with his blessings? The question becomes serious when I think of the pain reflected in those green prayer cards we receive every week. And it occurred to me how difficult it must be for some of you this year who hurt so much and have suffered such loss to come and give authentic thanks to God when you wonder how could a loving God allowed, have allowed this to happen in your life. So today I, I, I trust the Holy Spirit is going to give us a gift that leads to a deeper dimension of what we mean by trusting God. The gift of cultivating a thankful spirit for our greatest blessing of all, a blessing we can never lose, God himself, and the knowledge that God loves you infinitely. He cherishes you. And to be grateful then for God and his love, regardless of what's happening, good or bad, in our lives. Now that's a tough call. I'm convicted that we need such a gift because we live in a society that has lost its ability to be grateful to God. And as I mentioned earlier, all you have to do is scan today's Sunday paper and you find what a murmuring, discontented, complaining society we have become. Not a word of gratitude. And yet that's so strange because of all the nations in history, none have ever been blessed as we are. We know that. I found the following statistic. It says, if we could shrink the Earth's population into a village of precisely 100 people, kind of picture that, with all existing human ratios remaining the same, it would look like this. 50% of the entire world's wealth would be in the hands of only six people, and all six would be citizens of the United States. 80 would live in substandard housing out of the 100. 70 would be unable to read. 50 would suffer from malnutrition. Only one would have a college education, and no one would own a computer. Well, as, as part of preparation for Thanksgiving, I challenge us to recognize, yes, we are blessed as a country. We're blessed personally. But I want us to focus on the source of those blessings, on the giver, not on the gift, and to help us in this quest. We're going to study this Old Testament character, Job. Kind of a mysterious story. But Job, above all, was a man of faith who held tightly to his love for God, even though he suffered terrible losses. Uh, you just heard the story. The devil comes and, to God and says, God, Job loves you only for his blessings. Take away his blessings and his love will disappear. And so Job suffered these gigantic tragedies. But you know what? His love for God never wavered. As revealed in this response of faith that now has almost become a literary a classic. Naked came I and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stripped of his blessings, Job discovered that it wasn't his material blessings after all that really were, were his ultimate treasure. His relationship with his God, the fact that God loved him, that was his treasure. 
And I want us to make that kind of discovery this year. I think it'll bring a refreshment to our Thanksgiving season. So let's look at this story. Job raises the question first, how do we determine if we really love God or we simply are in love with his blessings? Think about it. And this is where you have to come into the act. How would you feel if God suddenly today allowed you to be stripped of your blessings, everything you value in life? Job lost his children killed in an accident, his wealth consumed by natural disaster, no, no insurance, his physical health ravished, and he's left, as the story goes on in another chapter, he's sitting alone on an ash heap, and of all things, he's scraping his sores, and his wife comes along, and he says, why don't you just curse God and die? Aren't we glad we don't have wives that are encouraging like that? <laughs> you know, it's a tough call to remain thankful to God when our lives fall apart, and our lives do fall apart at certain times. And we want to cry out, God, it's not fair. Why me? What have I done to deserve this? And you know, we're in good company because even Jesus hanging on his cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we feel like that sometimes. But listen to Job's response. When his wife was telling him to curse God and die, he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And then it adds, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. What a giant of faith. Now, I want to warn you, we live in a fragile, changing world, and Christians are not immune from pain and loss. We know that. Thousands of believers every day are being persecuted. Many will be killed today just for taking the name Christian. Last month's jittery stock market should have reminded us that our material assets can easily take wings and be gone in a moment. And so if our faith is there, that's a pretty jittery place to have it. A United Nations inspector who's been working in Iraq since the Gulf War said Saddam has enough chemical and biological weapons to theoretically destroy the population of the world. That's kind of scary. But you know, on the personal level, I know many of you are entering this Thanksgiving season with pain and loss and fear in your lives. The green cards say so. No matter how good we look on Sunday morning underneath, we've all, most of us are troubled about something big time. And Job's story is a challenge for us to allow these incidences in our lives to do one thing, not make us bitter or ungrateful, but to purify our motives into what's really important about life and above all, to purify our motives in just what do we love about God. I find it encouraging in Job's experience to discover it's okay to cry out to God in pain when we hurt to tell him, I don't fully understand how you could allow these awful, painful things to happen to me. Job reveals it's okay to struggle with God. That's part of loving him. Because he couldn't kind of put together the fact God loved him and these bad things happened. But that struggle doesn't mean we cease to love God. It simply means we hurt. And we know from the rest of the Bible, God hurts when we hurt, as any loving parent would. But like Job, sometimes it just helps to verbalize our pain. But we ultimately, as Christians, come back to the bedrock of our love and trust in God in spite of the pain, as did Job, when he made this one of the greatest statements in the Bible. We almost know it by heart. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's faith. That's ultimately the victorious cry of the Christian. Though he slay me and take away everything this world has to offer, I have him, and that's enough. I'll trust him. 
Is that where you're at today? That's a good question for some introspection this Thanksgiving. Well, meanwhile, as Christians, we have something Job didn't have. We have Jesus. He hadn't met Jesus yet. And because of Jesus, we have promises to sustain us in our struggle in times when we don't understand, like Paul's words. I read these so often. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's our hope. Beyond Saddam, beyond the stock market, we have a treasure there. We can't lose because we can't lose God. And then James makes these weird words that only Christians can understand. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because we know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. How do we rejoice when we're facing trials? Because as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that transcends our circumstances. And hard times are not meaningless times, lost times. Maybe they're the only thing that can help us break out of this narcissistic, consumer-oriented world we live in and be able to put right price tags, right values on things that maybe we had taken for granted, like lose our health. And we suddenly realize what a blessing it is just to feel good and wake up in the morning and have some energy. You know, I had a severe bout with the flu this last month, as many, as, as, as many of you have. And the first morning I could get out and walk again, because that's one of the favorite parts of my day. I just thank God my body worked and I could see the sun coming up and I could smell the fall uh, smells again. And it just seemed to me how I take my health for granted until you lose it. Or every year at this time, one member sends me a letter and a check. Years ago, we prayed together during her bout with cancer, and I'm impressed that on the anniversary of her healing, she never forgets to come back and say, thank you, God. And she gives a check to the church as an expression of her sacrifice of gratitude. The point is, health is a gift, and we don't fully appreciate it till we lose it. And sometimes in losing it, we're richer on the other side of that to thank God we have health when everything else looks kind of glim. If you, it, it, grim. If you don't have health, you can have everything else, you know, and it, life's still pretty tough. Or consider what happens when, we, when one we love becomes ill. Have you ever had that experience when somebody you love, you really care about, and suddenly nothing else in the material world that you're so obsessed with most of the time matters? The one thing you care about is getting that person well because you love them so much. They're the most valuable treasure you have in this life. The point, it takes a seven-point life quake sometimes to open our eyes to the value of who we are, that we're children of God, and God says, I love you, I cherish you. And nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing. Brothers and sisters, that knowledge is the greatest treasure you have this morning in the world when you measure it by the eternal measure of things. So this Thanksgiving, no matter what pain you might be going through right now, hold to the confidence our God has promised to take the worst and he'll ultimately make it into the best. That's how the book of Job ends. This is our hope, making it possible even today to offer authentic gratitude to God for what he's going to do with the mess we're in because we trust him. A second lesson Job offers, and a real brief one, is this. Suffering was not punishment for his sin. I want you to know that. Job's friends were convinced 
His tragedy was the result of sin in his life. And that's an accusation Job fervently rejected. <clears throat> How often when bad things happen to me, I immediately ask, you know, what did I do to deserve this, God? Uh, wh why are you punishing me? And then I realize, even though I do it, accusing God of punishing us for sin when we hurt is a horrible distortion of his character. It's a total violation of the New Testament, and it cheapens what our Lord did for us on the cross. You see, the great treasure we have as disciples of Jesus this Thanksgiving is that all of the punishment our sins deserve, past, present, and future, that punishment was poured on Jesus when he hung on the cross. I don't understand it, but it's the greatest cosmic event in the world, and this table represents your greatest treasure. And if you know and are part of this table, I don't care what else is happening in your life. You're a rich person. Because in time or eternity, you never have to stand before a holy God and hear his judgment because Jesus will stand in his place and say, he's mine, she's mine. What else could we ever know that's greater than to know Jesus paid it all? Now, of course, some of you will say in your right, sin causes losses. A drunk driver kills a child, drugs take a life, a marriage is ruined by disobedience. Health is lost by abuse of our bodies, but this is not God punishing. It's the built-in consequences of going against the grain of life. But even in those situations, God doesn't withdraw. He comes up close if we want him there. And so if you're in a wilderness of pain right now, don't compound the hurt by believing that what's happening to you is divine punishment. That's simply not true. Well, as we've considered Job, Here's a challenge for Thanksgiving season. Would you, with me, take special time this next week to ask ourselves, really, why do I love God? And really, what would happen to my love if suddenly I lost everything but Him? And let's ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to grow beyond loving God primarily as an extension of our own interests to loving Him because He first loved us. So much so, he gave this ultimate gift, Jesus Christ. And once we realize how much it costs God to forgive us and to give us eternal life, we're going to be constrained to break out in heartfelt gratitude. I want us to reach that stage of faith that no matter what our circumstances, on any Sunday morning when we sit here, we'll still know God is love and God is good, and we're going to join Job in saying, I know my Redeemer lives. And then in the end, he'll stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. We have a hope that transcends anything this world can take from us, folks. So you see, bottom line, thankful people are happy people, contented people, people who find God's purpose and blessing in every situation. And people who reject the philosophy, what's mine is mine, and like the rich fool, I'm going to hold on to it and keep it in my bigger barns because we understand we have nothing that God did not give us in grace, and we just can't help but share because God lavished so much on us. Next week, give thanks, no matter what your circumstances. And if you want to, by Wednesday, say, well, what did the preacher say Sunday? Say this, he told me to shorten my want list and lengthen my thank list. That's basically what we're saying, because God is good. Let me suggest, as we go now to communion, that whatever you came burdened with today, 
If you know Jesus Christ and understand this table, you are a very rich person. And it cost God everything to make us rich. Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, we take now these elements as Paul told us, given that night before you were betrayed, the bread, the wine, and make them now instruments by which your love takes deeper root in our heart and overflows with gratitude as a result of those seeds in our heart. You have given so much. Now may we give you and the world our gratitude as we partake of this wonderful table. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. I'd ask you to hold the bread and we'll eat it together.